0: Guys, the holidays are right around the corner, and before you know it, you'll be scrambling around last minute trying to find gifts for the people in your life you care about. I personally am a good gift giver, and that's a talent that not a lot of people have. My secret is that I always keep my eyes and ears open for fun, exciting gifts that can immediately benefit the people in my life. Why am I telling you this? Because just by listening to this podcast, you now have a leg up on getting an exciting gift for your friends and family this holiday season. Nature as Flavor has put together a number of holiday packages that are guaranteed to impress anyone in your life who enjoys cooking. Consider our warm winter package. Guys on cold and dreary winter days, nothing warms the soul quite like a good meal. Nature Has Flavors Warm Winter Package, which is available at NatureHasFlavor.com, is a chef-inspired cooking kit full of high-quality spices, oils, and vinegars designed to give you that soul-warming winter feeling that you can only get from good, healthy food. The Warm Winter Package is just one of many gifts we've made available for the holidays at NatureHasFlavor.com. Head on over to the site and check out everything we have in store. We're doing a massive sale this November for the holidays. Take advantage today and be that person who everyone knows as a great gift giver. Our podcast guest today is Sharon Palmer. Sharon is a registered dietitian based in Los Angeles who is the author of two books, including The Plant-Powered Diet and Plant-Powered for Life. Sharon also runs her own blog, SharonPalmer.com, where she shares detailed nutrition information with a focus on the plant-based lifestyle. This is a really interesting conversation, guys. Sharon goes in-depth on a lot of fascinating plant-based nutrition issues. I think you're going to take away a lot from this. Enjoy. So Sharon, how are you? Thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: I'm great. It's so wonderful to be here.
0: So tell us a little bit about your background. What inspired you to get into nutrition originally, and what ultimately turned you on to promoting this plant-based way of eating?
1: So I'm a registered dietitian. Um, I studied nutrition at Loma Linda University, and I don't know if you've heard of Loma Linda, but it's it's one of the blue zones. Okay. Um, and uh, it's a plant-based community the campus is plant-based so uh, so I was really inspired even at that point to get more involved in plant-based nutrition um, so that was very instrumental in my um, kind of my education in plant-based nutrition but my parents were vegetarians as well so I was raised in a vegetarian household
0: Wow so yeah most nutrition programs I know they kind of have that traditional, research background so they're promoting dairy they're promoting meat it's just kind of the the almost the outdated research that <laughs> defined the United States food pyramid so you didn't have that you had a very specific plant-based course
1: well I do have to say that Loma Linda, Loma Linda University um, would try to give us a rounded mm-hmm. uh, nutrition experience so that it, it would work and for anybody's uh, sort of setting, um, when you go out there and work in the, in the general population, but they definitely were very focused on plant-based and they didn't serve any meat on campus. Um, so uh, it was, you know, we, we had to learn about everything so that we could go out there and talk about nutrition in a larger perspective, but they definitely had that, you know, plant-based uh, kind of a bias.
0: It's really interesting. I didn't even know those programs um, exist at this point in time so that's really cool and that's I think something anyone listening to the show is interested in becoming a registered dietitian that should be a place to look. Um, I know that there is a lot of extensive training that goes into becoming a registered dietitian. so give us a, a look into what your training actually looks like, what the courses look like and what it is you' you're studying while you're at school huh?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm a real big fan of the dietetics field and career. A lot of people don't realize that registered dietitians have to have a minimum of a bachelor's degree in science. Mm. Um, We have to study nutrition for four years minimum, get the bachelor's degree, and then we have to have a one-year internship, and then we have to pass a registration. And most dietitians have their master's degrees. In fact, it's going to be a requirement in the future for all dietitians um, to take the exam must have their their master's degree. So, you know, it's a very highly um, intensive educational program, and um, there's a lot of confusion out there because people can call themselves a nutritionist and they have no education. Or maybe they took an online course mm-hmm. and they ca- they're calling themselves a nutritionist, whereas registered dietitians have a very extensive background in nutrition.
0: And that's a key distinction that has to be made because registered dietitians are recognized through a government agency as being credentialed so they can work with schools, hospitals, whereas someone who just calls themselves a health coach or a nutritionist without those credentials, they legally cannot do that. So you've been working with people for 16 years now, and what have been your biggest conclusions that you've been able to draw from working with so many clients?
1: Well, uh, I've worked in so many different settings um, in nutrition, in hospitals, in my own uh, practice, I've been managing departments in hospitals, so working from a larger perspective, managing dietitians and menus, uh, writing menus and um, planning programs for huge groups of people. Um, And and then I I became uh, focused in journalism. So for the last 11 years, I've been really focused in, in writing. I've written books. I'm the editor of two publications, Um, I have my blog and I do a lot of other writing and speaking as well so I've kind of switched gears into that um, realm but I think the thing that I've been most excited about is the plant-based world and um, you know as as a an editor and a journalist I always had to keep an open mind and and I attend you know dozens of uh, research conferences every year I have to read all the research every day. I spent a couple hours every day pouring through research, and it really became clear in the last, I would say, I, about six years now that plant-based diets are really the way to go. I mean, we we always knew that, but we didn't have the research to back it up right, as much, yeah. and in the last decade, it's just pouring in, and it, it, people don't seem to disagree with this anymore. I mean, it's very clear that eating a plant-based diet is the most optimal diet for human health and environmental health.
0: Does it ever irk you a little bit when you see these articles on the buzzfeeds of the world where they're basically handpicking research to create some sort of list article, seven reasons you should be eating more eggs or 12 reasons why steak is actually good for you? Does that ever bother you?
1: It bothers me a lot as a registered dietitian um, because you can cherry pick any kind of a study to support your your. Uh, feelings almost and um, you know you can find one or two studies here and here or there that might support a different viewpoint but what's important and dietitians are really good at this is looking at the whole body of evidence so you don't you know when you're reading about nutrition you don't want to just read one study you want to read what all the studies are saying about a particular area because then you'll see there's this body of evidence and, and if it's all leading and pointing to one direction, that's when we know that this
0: is a good thing. A lot of people don't realize that most doctors aren't receiving any nutrition training in medical school. What has been your experience working with doctors throughout your career?
1: Yes, I have had an opportunity to work with doctors, and of course I respect everything they're doing, but it's true, they do they have very little nutrition education. They've done surveys on this, they've done studies and I believe uh, one study found that the average education is something like eight hours of nutrition for their entire medical school training. Right. So, yet here we are, you know, patients go to their doctors every year and ask them about diet and nutrition. And it's it's just really sad. And I do think that it's changing. And I see a lot of physicians going to the conferences that I go to now. And there's a new, energized generation who are passionate about nutrition. And believe how powerful it is so I do think that it's changing but the old model of well number one that prevention doesn't really matter it's all about treatment you know our whole healthcare system is about treatment rather than prevention and um, I think a lot of uh, old-school physicians don't understand the power of diet in disease prevention
0: Absolutely. There is this huge disconnect between medicine and nutrition, and I really hope that there are more steps to kind of bridge those two worlds. I think that's going to be a revolution in healthcare in the future, and maybe something we have to do because the healthcare system is just getting out of control. But that's a conversation for another day. Let's talk a little bit about fats because this is an area where there's really mixed research and different opinions. I've read that. ALA omega-3 fatty acids, which are found in plant foods like chia seeds and flax seeds. This type of fat has an inconsistent conversion rate to the longer chain omega-3 fatty acids DHA and EPA, which we need. Do you recommend that people following a plant-based diet supplement with an algae-based omega-3 source to ensure they're getting those longer chain fats?
1: Yes, I do. Well, first of all, you're right that um, ALA is a plant-based omega-3, and we, humans need omega-3. It's very important for our heart health, uh, brain health, and many other things. So we can, uh, plant-based eaters can get omega-3 through uh, the plant-based sources, which is ALA found in things like w- uh, walnuts, hemp, chia seeds, uh, soy foods. Um, but the conversion rate is really low, and the active form of omega-3s is, are these long-chain, the EPA and DHA that people normally get from fish. So you, you know, the human body can convert ALA into the long-chain EPA, and DHA, but it's estimated at maybe lower than 10%. Mm-hmm. Although there's some new, interesting research that shows. That people who have been on a long-term plant-based diet may be converting at higher rates because the body adapts to that so that is some interesting new research but uh, it's very preliminary we need to learn more about that but um, so what I recommend is that uh, people who are on a plant-based diet eat a lot of ALA because if your conversion rate is 10% the more you're getting the more you're converting right Mm -hmm. Um, so You know, I recommend somewhere around 2,000 milligrams of, um, or two grams would be the same. Which the thing, the good news is, if you're eating a healthy plant-based diet, you're getting a lot of ALA because you're probably already eating chia and hemp and tofu and and um, walnuts. Um, Need some greens. You know, yeah. So if you're eating this a healthy plant-based diet, you're probably getting a lot of ALA. But it's important to make sure you get some every day. And then I do, I recommend. the algae, algae, DHA, and EPA supplements, even though I feel like we need more evidence, studies are showing that they do raise the omega 3 blood levels just like you would if you ate fish. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel that um, there might be some potential benefits from this. So, what I like to recommend is a um, 500 milligram uh, supplement, like maybe every other day or two to three times a week, something like that, as a supplement. And this is not, as I said, this is preliminary. We need more research, but they appear to be safe and they appear to raise your blood levels, so I feel that it's, um, that it, that it's probably beneficial.
0: Based on the research that we have now, that makes a lot of yeah, based sense.
1: based on what we have now, I feel like there's no downside to it, so it's just more of a precautionary approach.
0: Yeah, and you know, I, I personally just you know this is completely anecdotal, but I feel a lot better when I supplement a few times a week with those algae-based DHA and uh, EPA supplements. It's just, I, I just feel better. I'm a little bit mentally clear. I feel like there, there absolutely is something there. One other nutrient that's always kind of befuddled me is iodine. I look at the different plant-based sources of iodine, and I just don't see a lot there, especially if you're not using iodized salt. That being said, I've been on a plant-based diet for a year and a half. I have no thyroid issues, and I honestly don't know of any vegans who have had any type of iodine deficiency. Where exactly is iodine coming from on a vegan diet? So
1: That's a very good point, and this is an area we need more research on. We don't have enough research on the iodine status of um, plant-based eaters. There uh, has been a small amount of research that showed that there are potentials for deficiency. So um you know we can get iodine in different forms of the diet but it's it's variable um one of the sources that's very high is uh seaweed mm-hmm. different types of seaweed but that can also be problematic because seaweed can be so high it's like almost toxically high in iodine because with iodine you want to have a balanced amount and <clears throat> you don't want to have too dramatically too much or dramatically too little so um one of the things that I like to recommend for iodine, um, and well, before I get to that point, um, you are right that mo- most of the United States gets their iodine from salt. You know, we have iodized salt because it prevented um, gout and mm-hmm. those kinds of issues, um, gout and those kinds of issues. So, uh, but you know, as we eat healthier diets, you know, we're often eliminating iodized salt or we're using sea salt, which is not iodized. Um, so, you know, most people are getting um, some iodine from their salt. So that might be one thing to consider using iodized salt in a very moderate way in your, in your mm-hmm. diet just to get some of that iodine in there. The other thing that, you know, I kind of recommend, and I know a lot of my colleagues, uh, plant-based dietitians who specialize in this area, kind of recommend this precautionary approach maybe once or twice a week taking a um, vegetarian or vegan multivitamin and mineral supplement. Then that that could kind of fill in. Most of them have iodine. And if you're just taking it once a week, it can kind of fill in, once or twice a week even, it can kind of fill in for any of these little minor gaps that you might be having. Um, although I'm not a huge fan of taking it every day because most Uh, Plant based eaters are eating really well when it comes to certain nutrients for instance We're getting a lot of folate. We're getting lots of vitamin C. We're getting lots of vitamin E probably Um, You know I could go on and on vitamin K. So there's really no need to just um, You know be taking that multivitamin every day for people who are probably getting you know uh, uh, Double the amount of some of these nutrients compared to the average population because studies show that plant-based eaters are exceeding their nutritional needs in a lot of areas because we eat so many fruits and vegetables, so many whole grains, legumes, nuts, all these things that we know are rich in nutrients. So I'm not a big fan of like taking a multivitamin every single day, but maybe once or twice a week just to kind of fill in any little gaps. um, I know a lot of people are kind of using that precautionary approach.
0: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it sounds like just taking a, a balanced approach is ultimately the best way to go filling in the gaps occasionally with supplements, but focusing on the whole foods, plant-based diet. There's an argument made by a lot of vegans, and even vegan doctors, who claim that the fat you eat is the fat you wear, meaning if you're looking to lose weight, you shouldn't be eating things like avocados and nuts. What are your thoughts on that, and what has been your experience with, with people who have been trying to lose weight on vegan diets, who continue to eat these fattier vegan foods?
1: Yeah, you know, there's a separation in the plant-based world about the low-fat vegan diets. They're called whole foods plant-based diets. And I actually call my diet plan a whole foods plant-based diet, but it's not falling in line with the very low-fat ones. And um, not to um, criticize those diet plans because I think they're wonderful. Mm -hmm. But um, there are a lot of my colleagues that really don't believe this fat restriction is beneficial. So um, this is a kind of a falling out among a lot of plant-based uh, health experts because um, there's really, in my mind, there's really no evidence to support this very low-fat restriction. In fact, I wrote an entire article, you're welcome to check it out, um, where we, I reviewed the science and I interviewed a lot of experts on the low-fat uh, vegan diets. Um, you could, if you Google it with my name, you'll find it. Yeah, we can include in that
0: it. in the show notes. We can, if you want to send me that, we'll uh, include that link in the show notes so yeah. people can check that out.
1: Yeah, so basically, my conclusion was that there's really no evidence that these low-fat vegan diets are optimal. Now, there have been some studies that showed people with severe heart disease were able to have benefits with these very you know, dramatic low-fat diets, but there was no control group. There was no con- control group that showed a healthy fat vegan diet compared with a low-fat vegan diet. Right. So right. for us to really know... We would have to compare maybe that that a moderate healthy fat vegan diet could have had the same effect as the low-fat vegan diet so um, and then there's also the consideration that people are recommending diets for everybody not just people with severe heart disease and we know that moderate amounts of fat are good for us um, you know it's good for your heart it's good for your skin, it's good. you know, it's good for mineral and, I mean, for uh, vitamin and phytochemical absorption in the body. So, um, I'm a little bit leery about these really low-fat vegan diets. Now, on the other side, um, you know, people that are having issues with their weight and they're trying to reduce weight, of course, reducing fat can help you um, achieve those weight loss goals because it is very, it's more dense in calories. So, by, you know, reducing Um, some of the fat in your diet, you can uh, lose weight more quickly, Um, at least that works for a lot of people
0: so that's interesting there are so many different approaches out there um, in terms of going about this plant-based diet and i think the one conclusion i've seen from people who have been successful with it in the long term is that balance is key and balance isn't necessarily restricting one macronutrient purposefully for weeks on end months on end and ultimately years on end at least from what i've gathered from from people who have been healthy on this diet for long periods of time um so yeah
1: i agree with you and you know that brings up one other point is that um, you know, a plant-based diet, a vegan diet can be challenging. I mean, I've, I don't find it to be so much, but I eat a moderate-fat diet. And if you're going to be so restrictive uh, to the point where you're not having any fat whatsoever, it's very hard to even go out to eat ever. You know, it's hard. it really becomes more restrictive in terms of your lifestyle. But if you include, you know, more moderate amounts of fat, I have no problem going out to eat. I eat out a couple times a week and um, you know that just it adds to the uh, flexibility you know which matches what you were kind of talking about.
0: Right, it makes it more manageable even from a psychological standpoint. It doesn't feel like you're working as hard when you're you're constantly trying to restrict something. Yeah. So, so that actually brings me to my next question. What does a typical day of eating look like for you? I think a lot of people would be interested in knowing what a registered dietitian actually eats.
1: Well, um, what I used, I start out every morning with usually a bowl of a whole grain porridge, something like steel cut oats. And uh, sometimes I switch up the grains. A lot of people don't realize that in other cultures, they eat all different kinds of whole grain porridges for breakfast. It doesn't have to just be oatmeal, it could be millet or quinoa or brown rice mm-hmm. or farro. So I start out with, you know, just cooked grains and then I add a seasonal fruit as my sweetener and I add. Flax walnuts uh, uh or chia, one of those for my omega threes plus some protein, and then I use soy milk on top of it, so that's kind of my routine breakfast on the weekends. I might switch it up and do something more fun, like a tofu scramble or mm-hmm. you know like some homemade waffles or something um and then for lunch, I usually have a large uh salad I believe that plant based eaters should have green vegetables every single day to get calcium and other nutrients that we need. And I have a garden, so I usually go out, because I work at home, and Mm -hmm. I usually go out and get my greens every day. Uh, I know I'm super lucky. (laughs) (laughs) But I will make this enormous salad uh, with all different kinds of greens, and then um, usually like some sort of a bean or lentil on there for protein, and whatever vegetables I have on hand with kind of like an olive oil dressing. Um, so that's kind of my lunch. And then I might have like a piece of fruit for a snack. And then for dinner is when we get creative and we'll have something like maybe one night we'll have tacos with black beans, uh, build your own tacos, maybe a pasta dish, um, a casserole, like a shepherd's pie. Um, I love to get more creative, on the weeknights, or maybe a curry dish, or some simmered lentils. Um, just, there is, are so many delicious foods that we can eat. It's, it's always fun every night to think about something new. But it usually involves, you know, like a protein source, such as tofu or, or pulses, um, and then a whole grain, um, and then at least a couple servings of vegetables. That's kind of the, the general idea.
0: So this is a question we ask all of our guests, and it stumps a lot of people uh, for whatever reason. But if you could have a dream three-course meal with no restrictions on budget, where you can get your food, and even on health, what would that meal consist of, an appetizer, a main course, and a dessert?
1: And you, See, the thing is, is, I love healthy food. I'm, I know I'm strange, but I think actually a lot of plant-based eaters
0: yeah, you know, for just sure. Huh?
1: Wax poetic over, you know, going to the farmers market. And uh, I mean, last night I think I had one of the best meals of my life. There's I live in Los Angeles and there's a new plant-based restaurant that just opened and it was reviewed in the LA Times and I went to it last night and I have to say I mean, that could be like my dream meal if I could have that same meal again. <laughs> and uh, it started with a farmers market salad that had I mean it must have had twenty different vegetables in there, and then it had a walnut vinaigrette with ground walnuts and then they had a dish called baked turnip root with uh with a herb pesto and then i um and then I had a very hearty dish, which was a uh, grits made with amaranth and millet with truffles on it. I mean it was a, a it dream,
0: sounds amazing, you know? yeah.
1: Yeah, so I, I mean, I think the elements for me would always include some really um, seasonal salad with fresh local ingredients, you know, what that just seems like the farmer just picked them that day. That's to me amazing. And then, um, you know, the, those roasted flavors and vegetables when we're roasting Brussels sprouts and cauliflower, I just love that. And then I think the thing that's often missing when you go out to eat is something hearty that makes you feel satisfied. Um, because you need to have that, that whole grain and you need to have some protein and a little bit of healthy fat to, to get that satisfaction. So, you know, for me, that grit dish last night gave me that factor.
0: Yeah, and you're not the first person to say that, to say, you know, I don't want something unhealthy. It's not like I'm I'm always seeking out. after a while you you start craving some of these healthier foods on a regular basis here and I think a lot of people do feel the same way you know I I occasionally like to indulge but for the most part what I what I crave is like you said fresh foods real foods foods that are gonna make me feel good rather than just taste good if you can get the best of both worlds then then why not so what's next for you I know you had a book published back in 2012 what projects are you currently working on and what can we expect to see from you in the near future
1: Yes, I have my two books. Uh, the first one was The Plant-Powered Diet, and then the second was Plant-Powered for Life. And those are still popular books. And, you know, my blog is growing. I am very excited about my blog, which is called The Plant-Powered Blog. You can find it on, at SharonPalmer.com. But I post every single day, and I, I like to think that my blog inspires people to eat a plant-based diet. Um, and it talks about everything from recipes to the latest research to like I just did a blog on plant-based calcium you know like these are some sources of calcium and I'm mm-hmm. doing a blog on vitamin b12 and you know it's always about the plant-based lifestyle and the thing also that I try to be inclusive and I try to, to make um, my books and my blog appeal to everybody because I realize that a lot of people don't want to be a hundred percent plant-based but I really believe in a spectrum So that if you're a a carnivore, what if you just start reducing your animal food consumption? Like maybe you start with Meatless Monday or maybe you start with a couple days a week. And Mm -hmm. I really believe that everybody can do that. And then maybe start moving in the spectrum towards a more plant-based diet. If we can all do that, I think it would make a huge impact. So I try to inspire everybody um, in that direction, whether it's you know the carnivore who realizes they're eating too many animal foods and they'd like you know they're not ready to say I I'm giving it up but they'd like to start like eating some healthy delicious food a couple times a week i'm trying to 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 inspire all, everybody out there to eat more plant based so I, so my blog hopes to do that you know
0: and we'll definitely link and, that in the show notes as well
1: yeah and i also you know i'm out there speaking a lot on plant based nutrition I'm speaking to a lot of dietitians and healthcare professionals about you know how to how to help people eat this way um, so I'm also really passionate about um, sustainability and agriculture and I'm going back to school to get my master's degree in sustainable food systems because I feel like you know our our way of eating really is this beautiful way of eating that's not only good for human health it's good for the environment right um, it's been well documented that vegans have the lowest carbon footprint, you know, where we can reduce the amount of water that's required for agriculture. Uh, so we have this really beautiful lifestyle. And um, I'm really interested in learning more about the sustainability aspect when it comes to agriculture. So I'm going back to school um, in February, um, and we'll be getting my master's degree.
0: That's that's awesome and it's really cool how how many benefits this diet has both you know for people and their health but also for the planet it's just it's a win-win on so many levels.
1: Yeah, I always tell people when they ask me why I eat a plant-based diet I say well on just with my eating style I can reduce my risk of chronic disease. I can lower my carbon footprint. I can reduce the suffering of animals. And I can also make a contribution to feeding this planet. You know, the planet is going to be growing. It's estimated, you know, how our population will expand. And it's very clear that we can't produce enough food at at this rate of animal consumption that we are having right now. Because it takes a lot more resources and land to produce animal products. So, you know, this simple eating style can address
0: all of those issues.